Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are gonna feel more relevant and they're gonna drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Clavio is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak is like, we're not just about making more revenue, that's great, but what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers and the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you gotta get on Klaviyo. Visit klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I. IYO.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Waybreak. Listen, this is the podcast where we interview eight and nine figure plus brands and learn the secrets behind their companies and how you can do the same. You get to learn from their experience directly of what they did. Really excited for this episode. Before we get into that, if you're new here, like I said, my name is Dylan Kelly. I'm the founder and CEO of Waybreak. We're a retention marketing agency for high growth e-commerce brands focused on email and SMS marketing. So if you're worried about paid social, getting more expensive, getting more competitive, and just who knows what's going on with all this privacy stuff and how that's going to affect your business. If you want to diversify and maximize your revenue, you need to double down on email and SMS. And it's not enough to just have a decent program anymore. You need to go from good to great. You need great strategy and great execution. That's great design, great copywriting. The inbox is a competitive place. If you are not operating in the top 1% of the inbox as far as strategy, design, creative, and execution, you're leaving money on the table. And it's hard to do it in-house. So if you want to get a great partner who can help you with that, you can learn more about Wavebreak at wavebreak.com. You can set up a call with me and my team. We'll let you know if you're a good fit for what we do. And if you are, uh, we'll go from there. So really excited to meet you if you end up reaching out. We've been doing phenomenal with our clients. SMS is on fire and email is on fire, provided you know how to do it correctly, and we do. So really excited for this episode. Today on the show, I'm joined by Michael Epstein. He is the CMO of Auto Anything. So Auto Anything is a company that is run by Michael and his partner, Drew Sanaki of Nerd Marketing and you know popular guy in the e-commerce world. Um, so Auto Anything anything 
was owned by AutoZone and it was acquired by a private equity company. They brought Drew and they brought Michael in. Michael Epstein is the CMO of Auto Anything in their group of brands. Uh, they had this nine-figure retailer, right? It was losing revenue. The revenue was declining. They were losing money. And Drew and Michael turned it around. They got it growing again. They made it profitable. And recently they've been acquiring and incubating other brands. Um, and I talked directly with Michael, who's CMO, about how they were able to do it. And most importantly, they had to come in and change the culture of an old, big, bloated corporation. And Michael's background, which he'll get into, is building and scaling his own e-commerce brand. So it's very different. So what he's done to turn this company around is really phenomenal. And we talk about not just the marketing side, but the organizational structure. How do you go into a 150 plus person company and be able to make the shifts required to make that company modern and win and profitable again? It's not an easy task. Michael makes it sound easy, but it is not easy. And so really excited for this episode. So let's jump right into it. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to talk. Uh, you know, normally I have people who who start businesses from zero, but like it's a totally different challenge to turn around a large, declining, money loser online retailer, and that's something that uh, you know you've done. And I'm really excited to get your perspective, learn about how you've done that. You know, lessons learned along the way. But for the people who don't know you, uh, your CMO of Auto Anything. You know, within that, there's a few other companies. Like, what's what uh, you know. What is Auto Anything? What is your background? What do you specialize in? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, got kind of cut my teeth the, the way you subscribe, which the way you uh, you you mentioned, which is starting from zero and and growing an online retail business from zero to something, and that was what twenty something years ago. Uh, I started an online retailer for consumer electronics. Grew that from nothing to you know tens of millions and a small private equity group kind of got me involved in kind of that world of private equity operating and advisory work and uh, met up with my partner at the time and now CEO of Auto Anything, Drew Sanaki. And we got a equity operating role where we would go and go in and, and help private equity portfolio companies, you know, their, their marketing strategy, growth strategy, online digital strategy. About two and a half years ago, we got involved with a group that was acquiring Auto Anything from AutoZone. Uh, Auto Anything is a nine-figure online retailer of aftermarket automotive accessories. They sell millions of different products from hundreds of different brands, and they were Auto Anything was kind of going to become the 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 cornerstone of the AutoZone digital strategy, but AutoZone just being this giant, you know, thirty billion dollar brick and mortar didn't didn't really what to do with this struggling online retailer. It was bloated with with personnel, you know, huge HR department, huge accounting department, huge IT department back in the business. Again, get the right people on board and in the right positions, and uh, and then get the thing and ultimately wrong. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's like not not an easy task to do. Like when you guys got in there, like where were you? Like where do you even start? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, especially with a business that big. It, it is. It's like where do you start? There's a million different things right. that you could be doing. You have the playbook. 
But it's like, yeah, where, where do you even go from the beginning? Yeah. So I think first was, again, focusing on just just empowering, you know, assessing the team, understanding where the strengths were, what the strengths of the actual business were, was, you know, we have this, we have uh, an infrastructure that's set up to manage a really complex business, like the aftermarket automotive business, and particularly drop sh- drop shipping, which is the vast majority of of auto anything at, at the at the moment, is a really complex business to deal with. You're talking about again hundreds of vendors, millions of products, a million different variants for every year, make and model of the vehicle. So, kind of have to understand you know, what, what the strengths were in the business, what business we really wanted to be in, you know, again, on the IT side, we don't want to be in the business of, of building and maintaining a proprietary tech stack. We want to be using off the shelf and make it as, as much as we can make it as efficient as we can. Uh, And then bring in like best practices to the marketing side. So, you know, even the simple email basics of, you know, the core automation flows of you know, welcome sequence and abandoned cart sequences and and post-purchase cross-sell and retention campaigns, things like that. Put that around the paid strategy, uh, understanding where you were getting the high ROI and again, implementing best practices to improve the efficiency of the paid marketing spend. Look at the customer service operation, understand where the, you know, Customer service in, in our industry is is really a big factor, and it's one of the main differentiating uh, areas of the business, particularly when you're in what's essentially a commoditized, relatively commoditized business. You can find a lot of these products for sale on a, on a lot of other sites and all for about the same price. What people really care about is talking to somebody that they know is an expert and that they know is going to get them the right product for their needs and for their vehicle. Cause there's so many places, you know, there's so many ways you could accidentally get the wrong thing. You need to make sure that we're delivering that kind of experience and yeah, focused on really the blocking and tackling for a long time and getting the culture to a point where we felt like we were executing effectively and efficiently again, and not, you know, spinning our wheels, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's probably definitely like the most important piece in this because like you and Drew can come in all day and with these ideas, move fast and execute. But, you know, in a retailer this big with that many people, when you got in there, it's like you really have to make a entire organizational shift because like you guys can't just do everything. Um, yeah. So what was that like? Like how, how do you change the culture of a company like that? And like where where do you even start? Sure. So, you know, it's a great it's a great point. And and to the to what you were just speaking about, you know, Drew and I both had th- these experiences when we first started our careers of starting businesses really from scratch. And if you wanted to make a change on the website, you just go in and change it. You want to, you know, launch a new marketing campaign, you like log into your email program and you just do it. It doesn't work when you're talking about a business that has hundreds of people working in it that, you know, does nine figures in revenue. Like they don't even they don't give us the keys to the website. I couldn't change anything if I wanted to. <laughs> they would not let me touch that thing. So that was a that was definitely I a bit a bit eye opening to kind of have this, you know, have all the the business in your hands and not necessarily be able to pull all the levers yourself. So it was really about looking at who we had in the organization, 
who were like, who fit that entrepreneurial kind of driven and really intelligent uh, mold, but weren't necessarily being used to their full ability or were kind of buried somewhere in the organization or had just been used to having approvals for every little thing they wanted to do. And it was really starting to communicate to them that, you know, you don't, you don't have to ask, like, we, we trust you. We're going to give you the vision and direction for where we want to take this business and where we want to, how we want to execute certain strategies. And, and then we're going to kind of empower you to do what you think is best to, to deliver the results that we're looking for. So it was kind of, again, trying to do away with some of the bureaucracy, instilling some more, you know, progressive kind of cultural elements to it, whether it was just all hand, you know, high level of transparency and all hands meetings, which is not something they were accustomed to, or we actually really talked through the financials and talked through our vision for the business, you know, just things like remote friendly, a remote friendly culture, more, a more fun, casual environment in the office. Like literally when it was under AutoZone, people would wear uniforms and there was like some crazy bureaucratic stuff going on in an online business that just, you know, it, it just didn't make sense. I bet. So I'm, I'm picturing like Jake from State Farm khakis with the AutoZone colors though. Totally, totally. <laughs> and and then we we also really tried to work on put it, instilling a, a management framework that that helped, you know, I think that really helped. We, we implemented OKRs. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but it's objectives and key results. It's a framework that was kind of, um, I think initially started at Intel. John Doerr, who's at Kleiner Perkins, and has, has helped implement them at, at Google and Intel and a lot of other organizations. And essentially, it's a framework that allows us to set corporate objectives that, are, that we manage quarterly and then define what are the key results that we need to achieve those. And then those cascade down throughout the organization to the different departments and even the different individuals within those departments. And what that really allowed us to do, again, you know, to, to your earlier point is you have this big organization and it's important to make sure we're all rowing in the same direction, that we're not all just jumping on whatever opportunity you know, or, or shiny object is in front of us at any given time. We're all just coordinated, understand what results we're trying to achieve and understand how all the different departments are working together to achieve that. I think that was a, a pretty big, big breakthrough and, and very helpful for, for managing an organization of this size and kind of transforming how it did business. Yeah, for sure. Like in like, what would that look like kind of like on a more tactical level? Like, okay, so you have this management framework, you guys are setting like, you know, I'm guessing like profit, revenue targets, that sort of thing. And then basically like trickling them down through each department to each individual. So then everybody kind of like knows like, okay, here's what, and is that kind of how you would set it as like quarterly? Cause like you said, like you can't just be like, oh, cool. Like let's try this tomorrow. Cause you might have 20 people who are working on that objective. Um, like what, what would that kind of look like, you know, rolling that out, like setting those goals? Cause I think a lot of people could benefit from that. Like a lot of the listeners who run these, you know, like, like we talked about, like, you know, you start from zero, you build this from your basement, from your garage, wherever. And then you have this team and you kind of figure, you're like, well, I've never been a manager before. How do I manage? Like, how do you, like, what, what did that management framework look like, um, you know, on a more tactical level? Sure. Sure. So get okay, great question. So we use a combination of things. So OKRs are a big part of that process. We also use a framework called uh, from called Traction, 
uh, EOS, which is entrepreneurial operating system. Yep. So you're familiar. Love EOS. Yeah. So that was, that allowed us to really start thinking through the longer term planning, you know, 10, three, one year plan, as well as the org structure, like who we needed to be on board to support that. And once we had, especially once we had it down to the one year plan, then we broke that into these quarterly goals. And that's where OKRs came in. So tactically speaking, as you kind of alluded to, you might set quarterly goals of revenue and profitability at the that's the top corporate level. Then, you know, what drives that? What do we need to get from if we're if we're talking about marketing, uh, how much does the paid channel need to contribute? How much does the email channel need to contribute? How much does our phone sales agents need to contribute? What are some, how for our merchandising department, uh, how many new products do we think we need to add? Uh, because new products drive a lot of the revenue growth in the business. So we set, it, it cascades down and then you have objectives and kind of at the department level and then you say, okay, so if we want X amount of millions of revenue for the business this quarter, you know, Y million needs to come from email. Okay, then how do we drive those results in our email channel? Well, we need to get 100,000 new subscribers, net new subscribers to our, to our email list this quarter. We need to increase open rates from this to this. We need to launch these particular new automated you know, automated flows to improve relevancy and kind of personalization. And those are the key results that uh, drive the success of the objective. And those key results are assigned to individual members of our team, and they're responsible for tracking them and hitting them. How they do that, it's not supposed to be a task list. You don't, it's not like you're checking off a bunch of tasks. It's really supposed to be what is the outcome that you're striving for that ensures the success of your objective and how you achieve that? You know, we want to give our team the flexibility and freedom to determine the best way to achieve it as long as they feel like they're making progress. If they don't, then they pivot and think of a new way to do it. But, and that really helps operationalize the strategic objectives of the business and ensure that everybody's focused on, on the right things. Got it. And like, then, so once you set everything, like how often are you checking in with people? Like, I'm sure it varies, you know, depending on the level of the person, but like, are, are you reviewing their progress on those objectives week in, week out? Um, you know, is it a daily thing? Are you running daily meetings? Is it more kind of like on a monthly basis or like, how do you, what's the accountability structure look like once those are set to, you know, ensure when the end of the quarter comes, you hit those targets? Sure. So they're checking in weekly. We use a software called uh, 15.5. There's a bunch of different software tools that are available that can help manage your OKR process and the check-in process. But they're checking in weekly, uh, updating the progress of their key results and their objectives, as well as answering, you know, a handful of questions. What did you, did you achieve everything you expected to this week? Are there any blockers or bottlenecks that are um, putting your objectives at risk? You know, and then we could kind of rotate in other types of questions that we want to understand. How do you, you know, like anything from what could we do to further improve the culture of the organization to what's keeping you up at night? You know, there's any number of things we could answer, but it creates a really good dialogue between 
managers and their direct reports. It asks them how they're, you know, to rate their, their feelings that week. Just again, if, if they're, you know, if they're frustrated or they're upset, or even if there's a personal situation that's got them down, like if they're having a bad week, it, it creates an opportunity to start a dialogue with your manager to both understand how to improve and make sure that you're being as successful as you can within your role and also to help your manager resolve anything that's impeding your progress. And I think one of the other benefits of the OKR framework is not just that it tells you what you should be doing, it helps you understand what you shouldn't be doing. And I think in any organization, you know, from the small startup to the larger business, I think one of the biggest challenges is saying no to things and not getting distracted by those shiny objects. When there's a million things you know you could be doing, there's so many opportunities in small businesses, big businesses. And if everyone's just jumping on things, you know, you're not really hitting your strategic objectives. And if you take on too many things, you're gonna do none of them well. So by ensuring that we're all focused on these core set of objectives and, and key results that we've defined at the beginning of the quarter, if something comes along and they're like, that we really, you know, this, this is really something we should work on, we have to look at it and say, well, if I do that, it's going to put, I'm not going to be able to get to these things that we determined were my priorities for this quarter. Is this really something that needs to take priority right now? Or should we put it in our backlog? And that's something we want to circle back to when we have our, our discussion around next quarter priorities. And that's been really helpful as well, because everybody's Again, in any size organization, people are generally stretched pretty thin. And if you keep piling stuff on them, they're just not going to hit. You know, we're not going to we're not going to make the progress that we want to day in, day out. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsor. Listen, it's getting more expensive to drive profitable traffic to your website every month every year. You need to do everything you can to maximize conversions. That's why I love and use today's sponsor, Just Do Know. They're the best tool in the game for conversion rate optimization. Two things I really love about them right now. I mean, they're first of all, they're a really great company, really great team, uh, you know, one of the best to work with. Uh, but two features I love of Just You Know. Number one, they have these AI-powered upsells that you can take and put anywhere in your store that has HTML. So you can put them in the checkout, you can put them in your cart, you can put them on the product page. This is their Just Uno Plus product. And what's great about that, it has this AI in it that tracks buyer behavior and puts recommendations that people are actually gonna buy. So you get more conversions and you get higher average order value and it's just gonna help your business scale a lot easier and it's really easy to set up because you also get a strategist with it. And the Just Uno Plus strategist, they know exactly what's working and how the best brands are leveraging Just Uno and they can take that insight and apply it to your brand with zero learning curve um, and help you drive more conversions using their platform on your website. The second thing I really love about Just Uno is their advanced list growth tools uh, and specifically how you can segment based on traffic and a ton of other different metrics so you can really maximize list growth as well as conversions using on-site pop-ups and different promotions that they have. Um, and all of this works extremely well. Uh, Just Uno customers see an average of 135% lift in revenue during their first year using the platform. And what's awesome about it is it also links to Klaviyo, Postscript, and all of the other software 
software that you use. So you can close the loop, link everything together. Everything's personalized. Everything's automated. It's all nice and flows and connected. Um, and it drives great results. So if you want to learn more about Justuno Plus and snag a sweet discount because you're a listener of this podcast, all you got to do is go to justuno.com slash wavebreak. Link is down in the show notes below. It's justuno.com slash wavebreak. Sign up for a free trial and get 20% off your first year by using code wavebreak. Like I said, it's down in the show notes below. Go check them out. Let's get back into this episode. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I, I think that's, a, you know, especially like, you know, as an entrepreneur and like person who has a lot of ideas and like, you know, a big vision, it's so easy to, you know, even listen to this podcast. It's like, Oh, we got to do EOS like tomorrow. <laughs> and like every idea is like that. Everything seems important and everything seems urgent. And it's really, it is really hard to say no, especially in an industry that moves so fast, but it's funny. It's, it's just like you said, like, you know, you can only focus on doing so much at a time. And by doing less, you can actually get things done. And then, I mean, you guys, I mean, you're perfect case study for that because you guys did end up turning the retailer around by following this playbook and not just like chasing every shiny object. Because if you did, it's like, I mean, I think we've all had meetings where it's like everybody just keeps talking about ideas and everybody agrees with the ideas. But if you don't actually execute on the ideas, you, you don't get the result. Um, yeah. I think you guys are a great case study for saying no, staying focused, and then like watching the results come later. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and we, we've been able to bring those kind of frameworks to the different businesses that we've either acquired or kind of incubated internally. And it's just, it's, it's been a huge help for growing those businesses as well. And again, making sure that we're all on the same page. Right. And like, I love that word too, like plural businesses, whereas there's a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, and even myself at times, it's like, whoa, multiple businesses, like, isn't your head going to explode? It's like, well, when you run a system like this, it's a lot less likely to explode just because there's clear accountability, there's clarity on what you're going for. And like you said, you're saying no to a lot of things to stay focused. Um, like, do you think you'd be able to work on all these different projects if you didn't have all these systems in place? Yeah, definitely not. And there. <laughs> I, I will say that there are definitely times where my head has felt like it it might explode, but um, <laughs> it's it's but you look at it and you just you you bring it back to kind of these principles and the framework, and you're like, okay, let me just make sure that we have the right org structure to support this that's consistent with what with kind of our strategic objectives, um, and you know it it really helps simplify things and make sure that those moments where you do feel like you might be starting to get overwhelmed, you, you have a way to kind of assess, you know, the current state and, and make any adjustments that you need to make in kind of the org structure and, and how you align your, your priorities and objectives in a way that's going to, you know, make sense and allow you to stay on top of it without getting, yeah, complete, completely overwhelmed. Cause yeah, we're running multiple brands now. And that's, that was a, a trick to, to go from one to really four today and potentially more coming. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to have that, that structure and framework in place. Again, it's not, it's not meant to kind of stifle innovation. In fact, it's meant to kind of enhance it, but you've got to have some, some level of structure. It's going to just quickly overwhelm you. Right. Especially at that scale, like with all those people, all those brains and all those great ideas, like it would be really easy to just to just get overwhelmed and, and kind of shifting gears here for a second. Like, like, what does that look like? Like, so basically I want to talk marketing now. So what does this look like on the marketing side or like where, because uh, like marketing is an area that shifts 
fast, especially in our industry, you know, even just like looking at what's happened, you know, I think 2020 was a great year to look, look at as far as like, I mean, marketing changed so rapidly, right? Messaging had to shift overnight multiple times last year with the different things happening in the world. Like, what is it like rolling out marketing with an organizational system like that? And like, how, how far ahead are you thinking or how are you planning your marketing? And what does that look like? Sure. So kind of can look at it in a couple of ways. There's, there's one kind of just the pure kind of revenue and, and margin objectives that you're trying to hit and tactically kind of how do you, what are the things that we need to do to ensure that we hit those? And then there's kind of the more strategic and, and longer term vision things that we want to start bringing to the business uh, and then and then break those up into, again, milestones that help us ensure that we're making progress towards that on a, you know, on a steady and consistent basis. So, for example, if it's if it's email revenue, it might it might be, uh, you know, just how do we increase the the number of opt-ins that we're getting on a daily basis by a certain percentage. Um, but if it's long, but then there's the longer term vision of how do we create a much more personalized and relevant experience in the, utilizing automation and segmentation in our email channel. And, and we can break those down into specific initiatives that we want to work on. For example, building out uh, a much more robust post-purchase sequence. So instead of everybody just getting the same kind of uh, order confirmation and shipping notification and things like that, if we if our vision is to move to a really highly personalized and relevant experience for our customers at in a way that's highly dynamic and scalable, uh, how do we think about that? What are some objectives we want to set for? For at the quarterly level to help us make uh, move in that direction, so it might be again setting up a post-purchase sequence that for our top three departments, where we identify, you know, may, whether they're a new or returning customer, and we can personalize the messaging based on whether they're new to again, new to us or they've they've bought from us before. What did they purchase? Well, can we can we provide uh, useful resources. Uh, we know that they bought an exhaust, for example, or brakes. Can we send them resources before their order even ships? That's like, here's all the installation information you'll need for your new set of brakes. What are the, how do we build that playbook to provide the type of experience that we're ultimately striving for? Uh, in, and we do that over the course of a quarter. And then we've got that playbook that we can use to replicate across the rest of the business, uh, you know, going forward. And I think when we think about owning multiple brands, it also helps. That's a helpful way to think about it, so that we're we're creating playbooks that can be applied across these brands. Because if we thought about them all as completely independent marketing strategies, while they all have their own voice, they all have nuances to the to the to the business itself. Like the the fundamental programs that we're putting in place are not don't differ that much from business to business. So if we can build these kind of playbooks and know where we're going, we can then scale them both across you know uh, a specific business and across multiple businesses. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I, I really like that idea. And I, I feel like that's like one of the biggest things you unlock, I guess, biggest secrets you unlock as a marketer, as you like mature as a marketer is like, really, it's like, it is a playbook and it's just tweaking it to the brand and the voice and the product and the customer. Um, and not so much like looking for that kind of like magic, uh, you know, that magic pill or whatever that's going to take things to the next level. It's like, no, there's a proven playbook. Um, it really doesn't evolve that much. Like, I mean, it does, but it's like at a speed you can see coming. And I think, you know, er- early on, it's like, it's easy to think like everything changes so fast, but really it's like, you know, the same, pl- it's the same playbook. It just evolves every year. Um, and like, speaking of it, like on that note, like, what are you looking at for, for 2021 on the marketing side? I mean, you've been in this game a really long time. You're CMO of auto anything and it's related brands. Um, you know, you've been doing this for a long time since really the beginning of e-commerce. Like, what are you looking at as far as like 2021, uh, marketing trends, like what are you seeing? Where, where do you think you're going to put some of your guys' dollars? What does that look like? Sure. So purely on the marketing side, I do think that personalization is going to, especially for our businesses, is going to be a big focus this year. Um, again, because we have such a wide assortment of product and because we're selling product that is generally available at a number of different places, how do we differentiate the, the shopping experience um, both on site and through our marketing campaigns in a way that customers feel is unique and memorable and differentiated and someone that they actually enjoy doing business with? Again, creating, thinking about targeting people first in our paid acquisition and remarketing campaigns in a way that feels really relevant and personalized um, based on activity that we see that they're taking on site based on their transactional history, mirroring that in email, mirroring that in SMS, mirroring that in on-site messaging that pops up, really creating a, a very cohesive, relevant, personalized experience across all these different touch points uh, is just going to be, I think, a way that we want to stand out from, you know, where from other retailers that you can purchase these products. We want to really almost become a personal, provide a personal shopper experience at scale to every person that that visits our site or does business with us. So I'd say that's that's one of the bigger bigger focus areas for this year, kind of purely on the marketing side. Yeah, I think that's huge. I, I've been telling people this for years too. I've been saying it a lot more this year and last year, but like the amount of technology that exists for hyper-personalization and segmentation, like it exists. Like it's not like we're missing the technology. It's just like, it's almost been, we've almost been playing in easy mode with like the glory days of Facebook ads and the way these channels have been operating. Like you've been able to get by with a very simple setup and very little personalization. Um, But like now it's like, I mean, this technology has existed and brands just aren't using it, even on the email side, right? Like you were talking earlier about segmentation, personalization, like this technology exists, like, you know, any everything from Klaviyo to Salesforce, like it's very advanced, but most brands just aren't tapping into it. And that's why, like, when people are kind of freaking out about all the shifts in the marketing, it's like, really, like, you don't have to freak out. You just have to evolve just like you always have. But like, I don't know, just going deeper on the channels that a lot of people have, uh, you know, typically just been very 
I don't know the word, like very cookie cutter with, right? Like email, for example, I think that's a perfect example, right? It's just like, even nowadays, it's still very batch and blast for most brands. It's not very targeted. It's not very personalized. Um, I feel like this is a really good transition too for your postcard marketing company um, because, you know, that's a really proven channel. I mean, not so much in e-commerce necessarily besides, you know, some some brands, like I feel like it's very untapped, but like, yeah, like what are you guys doing with postcards? And uh, tell us about your Clavio for postcards, how that works and the results you guys are seeing from that. Yeah, sure. So, um, so it was a pain to deal with. Like you're, you have to kind of export a bunch of Excel spreadsheets or CSVs and then send them to the printer and a print house and design this stuff and have them send it out in big black batches and then try and reconcile that and more spreadsheets to try and figure out if there was an ROI on it. We've kind of always had this idea of, of creating uh, a direct mail experience that's more like email, you know, how email functions today, where you can do easy segmentation and automation uh, and, you know, easy design tools that a marketer can use themselves. And so we invested in a company called Postpilot, which has been doing, really had the foundation for doing exactly that. It was really like the Clavio of postcards and that you could create these automated triggers, you could create automated flows and do segmentation the way you can do in, in a robust email campaign, just created another touch point for consumers. And what we also found is that, you know, as, as paid channels like Facebook and, and Google search and, uh, and shopping, you to get more competitive and more saturated and email becomes you know, more your email inbox gets more and more cluttered. It used to be that your mailbox is where you got all the junk mail and your email inbox was like this pristine place from only your 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 preferred senders. And now it's kind of gone completely the other direction where where your email inbox is just getting hammered by you know spam and, and is totally cluttered. But direct mail is something that really stands out. And is uh, and and people perceive direct mail almost more like a gift from a brand, not not a nuisance. So, Postpilot really solves that problem and allows people to create email camp to create postcard campaigns the way they would they would set up email campaigns and get really high ROI. And the cost of it has gotten to the point where it's like less than the cost of a click you'd be paying on Facebook or or Google anyway. And it's fixed, right? So when you're, uh, during holidays or peak times of the year, when your your CPCs are getting jacked up in the paid channels, you know the, the the postage price stays fixed. So you can get some really good ROI. It's not meant to really replace email or or your your Facebook or search campaigns, but it's a great supplemental channel where you can mirror a lot of the best performing campaigns you have in email. And get significant incremental ROI uh, and, and improve your retention, loyalty, and, and profitability for your existing customers. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, can you speak to like any numbers on that? Like, what types of ROIs people see? Um, I mean, I'm imagining you get a really good open rate setting a postcard now. Yeah, yeah. So the the other nice thing is that it it integrates directly with Shopify if you're on Shopify, as well as WooCommerce and some other platforms. And so it automatically tracks people that receive the card 
and whether and if they go on to order either automatically or you can use a coupon code to track that way as if you that way as well. Um, and typical ROI that we see, it's very commonly in the range of kind of six to twelve x. You know, some campaigns do significantly better if you if you're doing kind of a basic level of segmentation the way you do an email campaign. You're mirroring some of your the email campaigns that perform you know relatively well for you. You're going to see a really strong return. Kind of that that range is is pretty typical. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's really cool. Like, um, just like the way it works, like hooks up to your Shopify. Like, I guess like abandoned cart probably isn't the best. Have you guys sent abandoned cart uh, postcards? Or I guess the yeah. timing might need to be a little bit better. But what, what I'm curious, what does that look like? Yeah, so you can do it like an abandoned cart postcard and you could trigger it to to wait say a couple di- like a couple days from the time that they abandon so that if they convert off email right away or if your email trigger is like after a few hours and they convert off it, you're not you don't need to send them a postcard, but if they haven't converted within a couple of days, it's, it's- Setting an automatic to send them a postcard with an incentive to complete their purchase does really well. Got it. That's awesome. I mean, like as a marketer, um, I would love to abandon a cart and get a postcard in the mail. Like that would just be so awesome. Um, and to hear that it works really well too. I mean, that's that's just great. Like thinking outside the box. Like this is why. I don't know. I feel like no, like some people in the back of their minds are really worried with like the shifts on paid social and everything that's happening. But it's like you really don't have to because like there's so many like this isn't even out of the box, right? Like it's a postcard. Like these have been around for a very long time that like brands really aren't tapping into. Like it's going to be a really fun year as like brands really get everything dialed with personalization and really maximizing all these channels. Um, I'm really excited to see it. Um, unfortunately, we're coming up on time here. But like as we start to wrap up, um, you know, kind of like last question about things. I guess like what what are you most excited about in uh in in 2021? It can be marketing side, team side or just like what uh yeah, what are you excited about nowadays? Oh man, a lot of stuff. I think on we're on the postcard side, we're adding more and more capabilities for both segmentation, we're looking at adding a handwritten option, which we think is going to be awesome so you could essentially uh send handwritten notes at scale that are that are automated. So that's something that we're really excited about this year on the post-pilot side on kind of marketing in general and, and, uh, and auto anything. I think, and we talked a lot about the personalization. I'm excited for kind of delivering what I think is an experience that a lot of people, you know, aren't really doing yet in online retail. As you said, the, the, the tools are all there, but putting them all together and building a, a really cohesive campaign with them that that delivers a personal experience uh, across different touch points, I think is really exciting for me. You know, the team that we've we continue to to recruit really great people for the team, and that's that's really exciting because we just you know we continue to make great progress in, in terms of our execution and bringing on people that are just exciting and fun to be working with. And, you know, we're looking at making more acquisitions this year while growing the core business and going from uh, a point where the business was just 
stagnant and declining and to a point where it's growing again, like that, that alone is just, is a really exciting thing to be a part of. And, and it's been a a really interesting ride. And this year we're, we're really excited about um, continuing that, that trajectory. Yeah, that's awesome. You, You guys have done a great job. Like it's like taking the Titanic before it hits the iceberg and like really turning it around and like bringing it back to port. So you've done a, you've done a great job on that. And it was awesome to hear the story today. Um, You know, for the people listening who want to go learn more about you, learn more about the companies you're involved in, learn more about Postpilot, where can we go learn more about you? Sure. Uh, You can hit me up on LinkedIn, connect with me there. And postpilot.com is, is the postcard company. Um, autoanything.com is our, our main retailer. Uh, but yeah, feel free to, to hit me up. I always like talking marketing with anybody. Yeah, sounds great. We'll link that all up down in the show notes below. Um, super great talking with you, Michael. Um, you know, love talking about this story and just like the, the management side and how you were able to pull that off and like really change the culture of the business to, you know, the marketing, the trends that you're seeing, how you're optimizing. It's been super fun chatting and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thanks, Dylan. Great to be here. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue and you feel like you're leaving money on the table but you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or, or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the Wavebreak method that, number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store, and they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge and it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible. And we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 